0: Welcome to Bangor Community Church Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed today as you hear the word of God. Um, well, as we come around the word this morning, um, we'll open it in prayer. Hallelujah. So God, we just thank you for all that you're doing in this house. We thank you, Father, for your word as we gather around your word this morning, that your word is life. It lights up our way. Hallelujah. And Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for that living word that adds to us and gives revelation to us, lights our way by Holy Spirit. So we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm just picking up before we carry on with the word today. Who enjoyed Pastor Kent last week? Remember he talked about uh, my house shall be called a house of prayer. If you haven't... Um, if you weren't here last week, I really encourage you to listen to that on the podcast. Uh, I put a few things here. He said that God wants BCC to be a place of prayer, praise, and power, and we know that. And as we establish ourselves under the dominion of his rule, God's power will manifest. Amen? So in God's house, we don't make the rules. Just, He said, just, you know, if you live in a rented property... You know, generally, you can't remodel. You may be allowed to paint and all, but actually putting on an extension and things, it's pretty much unheard of. Although I do know a friend who did remodel the rented property at great cost. And then I think we're moved out a, a year or two after that. But hallelujah. So um, we have to be careful then not to violate God's rules for his house. So when God's house operates as he intended, he will be present there. And he will be pleased to dwell by his spirit. Amen. So that's what we want. We want this house to be a house of prayer. As God says, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. We want it to be a house of praise. And then it's going to be a house of power because his presence is going to be there. Praise the Lord. Um, Well, this morning I want to talk about becoming becoming kingdom-minded. God placed that on my heart. It's actually the what I talked about at the Global Church Conference. And so there's a few slides I'm going to use from that time. And that is talking about being a kingdom-minded leader. But I'm talking about this for this morning, being kingdom-minded. And I thought it was good because we're talking about our queen this morning. We're talking about her reigning and ruling for 70 years. Um, She, you know, she reigns. I know it's it's a, a subject head. But over 15 countries... That's amazing, isn't it? Over the UK and 14 other countries. I mean, if you count in Northern Ireland, Wales, and and everything, it'd be 18. Absolutely awesome, like what God has given her. Hallelujah. And that name, Elizabeth, I'm Karen Elizabeth. Elizabeth means God will I serve. God doesn't make any mistakes. Names are important. God, he makes no mistakes. Hallelujah. So we're going to start just talking about You know, the queen, she has the United Kingdom and the Commonwealth. So we're going to talk about our king, and we're going to start talking about his kingdom. What is the kingdom of God? So Jesus teaches us how to define the kingdom of God. And Matthew 4 and 17 says, After Jesus came out of the wilderness, he began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So this first tells us, number one, the kingdom of God is very close. The kingdom of God already exists and is ready to be entered. And King Jesus is present. So the kingdom of God is the presence and the rule of the king, King Jesus, in one's life. Amen. In Luke chapter 17 and verse 20 and 21, It says here, the Pharisees demanded that Jesus tell them when the kingdom of God would come. And the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. Or some translations say in your midst. Other translations use the word among instead of within. So the kingdom doesn't come with observation. It's within you. It's among you. So what does this teach us? It teaches that the kingdom of God is within us. The kingdom of God is within. Turn to your neighbor and say that. The kingdom of God is within us and among us. Jesus is the king of the kingdom, and when his presence comes, when his presence comes in, people's lives are changed. So it's interesting, you know, Jesus, when he was baptized, and then he went into the wilderness for 40 days. As soon as he came out, what was his message? He started to preach about the kingdom of God. Repent, repent, for the kingdom is at hand. Then we're going to look here at Acts chapters 1 um, to 8, because they give insight about the kingdom of God. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 8, it says, The former account I made... O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up, after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them 40 days, 40 days um, And speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now, that's very interesting. So Jesus, for 40 days, he was seen, he was with the disciples. But what subject was he teaching them on? The kingdom of God. It's so, so important, the kingdom of God. And verse 4, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Amen. We've looked at this. We know the power of God, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Chris referred to that, what took place at the men's breakfast yesterday. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the power, the dunamis power. Amen. Living within us. Hallelujah. So we're to be interested in that. They were to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, when they'd come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, when will you restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive the power when the Holy Spirit come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You see, they were wondering, what's, what's going to happen? When, when are you going to come into your own Lord? When are you going to reign in, in your kingdom? But he says, You're not, you don't need to know those times, those seasons. What you do need to know is, stay, wait, receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, receive the power of God, function in that power, and use it to witness That's what you have to receive. That's what you have to be interested in. Amen? So the disciples, they were confused, had been wondering, you know, how they could be part of a kingdom when their king was going to leave them. But Jesus instructed them, wait. He had a plan. The kingdom plan was in place. Amen? The kingdom plan was in place. Always in place. You know what? God has a kingdom plan for your life. The kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is among us. He has a kingdom plan for your life. He's got a kingdom plan already established for this church. He's a kingdom plan established for every church. Amen? The plan is already in place. We don't have to go through and make up a plan. We have to hear God and follow his plan in our life, in our homes, in the church. Amen? So the disciples, they were going to be baptized in the body of Christ and become the body of the king himself. Amen. So the kingdom with Jesus as the head and them as the body, us now would expand and become even greater measure through them because up until this time we know that Jesus could only be in one place at one time. But now he's going to rule and reign through a multiple body of believers. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's you and me. We're the multiple body of believers where the king's going to reign through us. Amen. And greater works will be done. Greater works. And now he can be everywhere. Wherever we are. We're taking that kingdom with us. We're taking that rulership of of, of the king with us. So the kingdom of God is now the rule of the corporate body of Christ on earth. And we're part of that. Is that not awesome? We're part of that. Hallelujah. So as our king rules through us, the body, then the kingdom comes. Let's say that again. As our king Jesus rules through his body, you and me, Wherever we go, Sarah may be up in Tesco's on Tuesday, and wherever she goes, and whatever she is releasing out of her, as the Lord may be saying, talk to that person or witness that one. Wherever she goes, the king ruling in her life, taking the presence with her, there is the kingdom being extended. Wherever Philman goes through this week, as he's allowed King Jesus to rule and reign in his life, there is the kingdom being extended. You see how important it is for the king to be able to rule in our life? Do you see how important it is for King Jesus to have his way in our life? Whatever he says to do, we must do. Wherever he says to go, we must go. If we don't go, then that kingdom plan, what he wants done, will not be done. Verse John 4, 4 says, Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Why? Because King Jesus is in us. The kingdom of God is in us. Amen? Hallelujah. In Matthew, in chapter 13, um, Jesus is talking, he's describing the kingdom of God, and he describes the kingdom of God as leaven. Leaven, we know, is something that grows within, within bread, and uh, it keeps growing, continues to grow. So he's talking here, the kingdom of God, it's like leaven, and when it's within somebody, it keeps growing and growing and growing until it fills the whole person. A few verses earlier in that, Matthew 17, verse 31, 32, Jesus describes the kingdom of God as a tiny mustard seed. And that little mustard seed is the tiniest of seeds. But when it grows, it grows into a large size. So there's an internal part of it, every person being changed. Um, as they're changed, as you're changed, as I am changed by King Jesus on the inside There's an outward manifestation of the kingdom. Amen? So the church and the kingdom, just want to touch this, the church and the kingdom are not the same, but they're closely related. For, For instance, God's kingdom, it was from ever to everlasting. It will continue all through eternity. The church had a starting place, and the church has an end time. When we're called out of here. But the kingdom. There's no expiration on that. But the kingdom and the church. Are closely related. It's for this. The king. The church is the instrument. To manifest the kingdom of God. So the church is so important. We're the instrument. To manifest the kingdom of God. Because you and I make up the church. The kingdom of God is within us. So the corporate body. As we're together. And as we disperse all out. Through this week, wherever we go, whatever country we may be in, we're extending the kingdom as we let King Jesus rule. Amen. So the church is the instrument to manifest the kingdom of God. And the church was designed by God to reveal the person of the king. So that's what we're designed to do, reveal Jesus as king. So to see the kingdom manifest, it's very important that we build the body of Christ. And when we build the body of Christ, that means the king can rule through the body. Amen? The king is only present through his body. And when he is present through the body, the kingdom will be manifested in that domain. So we want the king manifested, don't we? Who wants the king manifested? I do. I want the king manifested. You know, Jesus wants to rule. He wants to rule. Jesus wants to rule in my life. Jesus wants to rule in your life. And you know that's why the Apostle Paul, he established churches all over. And, and when the king rules and he's present, he rules. What happens? Transformation happens. People's lives are changed. Souls are taken from the kingdom of darkness. They're moved, translated into the kingdom of light. Healings happen. Miracles happen. Amen? In every nation, from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Hallelujah. The church is a living body of Christ. And that's why we've always got to be careful. It doesn't become an organization. We never become religious because the church is a living body filled with the life of Christ. Hallelujah. And you know, Paul, Apostle Paul, he was driven by this vision. He was, God gave him this vision of the kingdom, and he was driven by the presence, the rule of the king among the people of God. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27 to 29. It says here, To them God willed, This is what the Apostle Paul had written. To them God willed to make known that what are the riches of the glory of this mystery, this hidden truth among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That was a hidden truth to be revealed. Christ in you, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Verse 28, him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. And Paul says, To this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. So Paul was given the revelation of the mystery of the kingdom, which is Christ in us personally, among us as a community, a corporate body of people. And if you read that in the Amplified, it says, Christ within and among you, the hope of realizing the glory. Christ within and among you, the hope of realizing the glory. Amen? So the king wanted to have a body. He wanted to have a house, a family. The king wanted to have a dwelling place so he could rule. And when he rules the kingdom will come. I have a question. Is the king ruling in your life today? Is the king, Jesus, number one in your life today? Because he wants to rule in your life so that his kingdom can be extended into other realms. So this drove Paul powerfully and Paul practiced the verse below here as we've read, Colossians 1.28, him we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. I'm reading this here verses as well out of the Amplified Classic Edition. It says, him we preach and proclaim warning and admonishing everyone and instructing everyone in all wisdom, comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God that we may present every person mature, full grown, fully initiated, complete and perfect. That that word mature means perfect, interchangeable. In Christ, the anointed one. Amen? You notice that three times in that verse, you know, Paul said, he used that word, every man. Preaching, warning every man, teaching every man, presenting every man. And he used every man individually rather than men or men. That's very important. So, because he's Paul's telling us here, we need to preach Christ. We need to warn every man, teach every man, present every man perfect. And from this, Paul really became a kingdom disciple-making leader. He got a revelation of the powerful um, strategy of one-to-one evangelism, one-to-one disciple-making. And um, so many times, you know, Sunday mornings is important when we come together, the church comes together, we come with a purpose to worship the Lord together, form the priesthood, worship him, we've taught on that before, and we come together where God can give direction to this body of people, direction to the house, so we're going all in one direction with one mind, Amen. But as for making disciples from a congregational basis on a Sunday morning or even conferences, it's not the best method. In fact, a survey was done by a Dr. Carl Horton and it says how effective is discipleship in large groups in changing lives and producing leaders? In a survey, teaching done in large groups such as Sunday services, seminars, conferences and large classrooms was found to be not percent effective. Now we're talking about making and helping one become a disciple. Christ-like. Small groups like life groups were found to be 10% effective. But one-to-one discipleship was found to be 90% effective. Isn't that amazing? One-on-one. One. So you get with one person, me get with one person, one-on-one one discipleship is the most effective. Even one-on-one one evangelism has proven to be the most effective. Even than mass evangelism. We're not putting down that. We are advocating. We use every means. But to actually win someone to Christ and to actually mature them up. Because you know on a Sunday morning. I can't go around each one of you. And ask how you, how much word are you taking in. What's going on with you this week. How's your prayer life been. I can't do that from the frontier. But if I'm with you in a one on one. Or somebody else is. We can discover those things. We can help. We can help one another. So. This was Paul's method. It was one-to-one discipleship. And I, I just wanted to address this afresh with the house because we are a house, we're a church of discipleship. And we need to see the value again on one-on-one, getting one-on-one with people. Amen. First Thessalonians 2 and 11, Paul writes, As you know, we exhorted we comforted and we charged every one of you as a father does his own children. So Paul took that father figure and that father heart and he was charging, comforting everyone as a father does his own children. Again, in Acts chapter 20, verse 31, Apostle Paul said, Therefore, be always alert and on your guard, being mindful that for three years I never stop night or day seriously to admonish and advise and exhort you one by one with tears. Look at his love. One by one with tears. You know, Paul was able to build powerful churches in a short time. Now, there weren't massive churches, but he built a lot of these churches And he built them through one-to-one discipleship. Paul spent three years at Ephesus. He spent 18 months at Corinth. And typically he would have stayed, sometimes longer, but typically on average he would have stayed about three to six months in a place. And then he would have established a church, but he would have left them without elders. I mean, he told Timothy, appoint elders. And we we know Timothy was his spiritual son, prodigy, was teaching him. He would have left the churches without money, without even a a Bible. But he went on and those churches grew. Why did they grow? Because Paul, while he was there, was getting one-on-one with people and raising disciples. Isn't that powerful? One-on-one. So we need to do church the way Paul did one-on-one, and, one, and then, and in groups, and then we come together on a Sunday, or we come together for conferences, But when we come together, we're going to be stronger, aren't we? We're going to be so much stronger. So, um, at the conference, I have a few quotes here. Um, Mitch spoke at the Conference Global Church Network. It's so great as a pastor being part of that network. I tell you, we, I've learned so much, at all those three hubs. I know some of you have been there. I encourage you to get to the next one in October. But I've learned so much. I've learned so much in the the conference that I've attended over in America and the great men and women that I've met. Uh, It's just opened a wealth of uh, people, people uh, with a lot of wisdom from all around the world. And it's wonderful to network with these people. But Mitch at the conference said, discipleship starts with one-to-one evangelism. So that's where it starts. You know, you may say, well, pastor, you know, I've got a disciple in here. But maybe you think you found your disciple in here in the church. But it's not really what Paul meant. He went and he got his disciple. He went and he one-on-one, he evangelized someone. He found them outside of the church. There was no church when Paul went to Ephesus. He started. He found a person. He started pouring into the person. That person gave their life to the Lord. He started, you know, raising up that disciple. And then he would, He would go and he did it again until I think it was at, at Ephesus. He had about he about eight disciples, and that's what we need to do. We cannot be fishing here, going now. I have a disciple, or maybe. It's important we we sometimes pick up people if they're coming through the door and it's their first time here. But the way Paul did it was he brought. If each one of us here has a disciple, we spend time with someone, we get someone, share the gospel with them, we see them saved, we spend time with them even maybe before they ever come here. And we start sharing the word with them. We start sharing where to read in the Bible. Amen. We start taking them to life group maybe. And then they start coming with us. That's a disciple. That's a disciple. So imagine if each one of us had a disciple. Not from in here. Not from, you know, people that have been here for years and years. Or people have been drawn here. But a disciple of your own, you bring them here. And we all did that. Well, this place would be full. And then, what about we get to the next wave of that, when then those start to reach someone? And then we get another chair, two, three, four, more chairs filled. And, and you fill a whole circuit again whenever there's two. Do you see that method and how important that is and how a church will grow? A church is not supposed to grow just because we have a presence on the road, though that's good. A church is to grow because we go, we go. And we have Project 15 coming up that we're excited about. We've already got the tracks in and uh, we're getting some more literature made about the church, and we're going to be going out in the streets around here. I think maybe Philman or some of the life group leaders may want to, to go around their areas, but we're we're putting that together shortly. So life groups are going to start stop at the end of June, but there's going to be fellowship every week based around going. Maybe some people don't want to go in the doors per se. You'd rather go in the street, but but we want us all to be mobilized to go. And we're going to believe that we're going to have somebody that we can now start to disciple ourselves. Isn't that awesome? Praise God. I'm excited about that. It's all about being fruitful. All about being fruitful. Hallelujah. Um, So a phrase I'd like to adopt here is, who's your one? Who's your one? If I walked up to anybody today, I say who's your one? Who would you say your one was? Who's got a one? Chris has got a one. So who's your one? So we're going to use that phrase. So let's say that to every each other. Who's your one? Who's your one? That's exciting. Who's your one? We're going to be fruitful for the kingdom. Amen. Bringing fruit to the Lord, hallelujah. So um, understanding the kingdom, the discipleship in the kingdom. So just a quick definition of true discipleship. We may not get through all this today. The goal of discipleship is to bring every man and woman to Christ likeness, amen. Uh, we're to, when you're making a disciple or forming a disciple, you've got to be very careful that you're not drawing them to you. Now, in the early days, when you went someone to the Lord, yes, you may have to give them a lift to church or to life group. Or yes, they may be on the phone to you a few times a day asking questions. Look, when, everybody, when anybody in here came to the Lord, was there anybody you phoned or you were asking questions of? Who did that? Wave your hands. Of course, that's how you grow. So you've been asking all the questions. Now it's going to be time soon for you to be asked a lot of questions so you're going to be you know different times during the day what does this mean or what does that mean and if you don't know as we've covered before say i'll find out don't make it up i'll find out i'll come back to you amen but that's when it gets really exciting when there's somebody hungry drawn off you that is the most exciting fulfilling time in the body of christ when somebody's around you, it just pulls it out of you. I love that. I love being around leaders that just want to know more. They're pulling it out. How do you do this? What about this? What about that? I can speak for ours. What about this? What about ours? They're pulling it out, pulling out, pulling out the wealth. Amen? So I encourage you. Are you getting excited? Or is it just me in here? It's something growing in you. To, you want your own disciple. You're going to be praying, Lord, who is this? Where is this person? Where am I going to meet them? Is it going to be someone at work? Or is it going to be somebody random that I go on Project 15 in the doors? It doesn't matter. You may know, maybe God will say where you're going to meet them. That could be a word of knowledge for you. Maybe you won't. But I tell you what, when you meet them, you will know if you've been praying, God, give me a disciple. Give me my own disciple. And they could be any age. Don't be thinking that it has to be your age. You know, you could win a young person to the Lord, bring them so far, hand them to someone else. But do what God instructs you to do. Amen? So don't, in the beginning, people have to be more dependent on us. They're going to be asking questions. They may need a lift somewhere. They, they may need help with this or help with that. And uh, we're, we're able to do that there's enough people in here can help people with different things you know um needy people your disciple could be very needy maybe they they need order and their finances and it's something i'd love to see here done and developed uh christians against poverty a cap at some stage somebody be trained in that but i know carol's very good at budgeting so say you get somebody that is very needy, They're just their finances are in disarray and everything, they need help with budgeting, well, I'm sure, Carol, I'm, I'm volunteering her here, I'm sure she'd be willing to get with, with the person you're discipling and go over that. But we need to help them in many different ways, practical ways. And I'd love to see more practical ways being brought into the church here so that we can help people more and more. Amen? Um. So, true discipleship is making people into Jesus' disciples. So, maybe in the beginning they're more focused on you, but you're always pointing them to Jesus. Pointing them to Jesus. He's the one. He's the one. He's your source. He's the one who meets your needs. It's not me. He's the one. He's the one. Amen. Help them be Christ like. Um, Pastor John Ash spoke at the conference and. um, he said a disciple is more than a convert going to church, but a fully committed fully committed to God and serving in the kingdom. That's what a disciple truly is. More than going to church. It's being that disciple all week. Um, and to be like Jesus means being obedient in three areas that, that we call the three W's. Number one, the word of Jesus, obeying his teaching. Number one, obeying his teaching. Number two, the works of Jesus. Studying Jesus, being an apprentice, doing what the teacher does. And you know, we see that in the Word. Whatever he did, we're going to do. If he lay hands on the sick, we can lay hands on the sick. If he, if he if God used him to do miracles, we can do miracles. Amen? And um, then also Pastor John Ash, he said discipleship requires discipline to be a disciple you need to be disciplined you'll be disciplined in reading your word having a daily devotional disciplined in your your prayer life disciplined in reaching out to the lost disciplined in forming character and so as you're growing as a disciple because each one of us will continue to grow as a disciple of the lord We're helping others, the other, our disciple, to grow up in him in these areas. Amen? And then the third W is the world mission of Jesus. Fulfilling the great commission. Go and make disciples. Multiplying disciples. So yes, it was during the three years that Paul was in Ephesus that he discipled eight people. One of them was Timothy. Timothy. And went on from there and left the church to grow in Ephesus. Hallelujah. So, when you're, you're forming that disciple, it's important you know, you're, you're finding out how is your fellowship with the Lord. Um, you know, are you conscious? Have you experienced the Lord's presence in your life? Uh, do, do you talk every day with Jesus? You're teaching them it's a relationship. Are you speaking every day with Jesus? How much time do they spend with Jesus? I'm, I'm looking there at Kate. And Kate was discipled by, uh, in the early stages, I think w- one as well, were you, by Michelle? One to the Lord by Michelle. Discipled initially by Michelle. Baptized in her bathtub by Michelle. <laughs> but that's the way it's done. That is the way, isn't it? And um, you grow strong. See when you're when you've got somebody, when a, a convert comes to the Lord and they're strapped beside someone, they become strong. But if that convert's just left in their own, how are they gonna grow from just Sunday services? Or maybe they're in a life group, maybe they're not. How really? How will they know what teaching to get? There's so much teaching on YouTube now that you can go, how do you know your your source and the right? They need to be discipled. People need disciples. I mean, there could be times in here that, you know, as we go and we're going to do healing services and we go around the streets, you know, we're going to have testimonies and things, that maybe people will get saved here. And if that happens, then we'd like to be able to appoint somebody, say, can you disciple that person? That's maybe how a disciple will come to some of you as well. Can you disciple them? So, um, you know, in biblical times, when an Israelite wanted to learn something, they learned it either from their parents or a rabbi, the teacher of life. And it was in that manner that they learned about everything and anything from mass to fatherhood. And they learned by following, not in a classroom. They learned by following and doing. So, um, let me see. Yeah, I think we're going to have to continue this next week because I'm not going to get through it. Let's see where we can land this. I've just got to go through the quotes, a few quotes from the conference then. So um, another quote by Pastor John Ash, he said, "'Invest your life in the next generation.'" Invest your life. That could be forming a disciple or that could be getting involved with youth, getting involved in children, coming alongside young people, letting the Lord, um, you know, show you one of them in prayer and keeping that child in prayer, keeping that young person in prayer. Amen. Um, slide six. Um, Pastor David Sopropina, uh, he said, Go forward in faith, have a closer walk, serve Christ and the church win people, teach and disciple, raise people, equip, give to the kingdom, and prepare for his return. Amen. But his whole message was go forward. Hallelujah. Pastor Kent Jensen, who was here last week, it's better together. Together we accomplish more. Surround yourself with others who will build you up. Amen. And slide eight, um, Pastor Andrew, he was here just for the praise, maybe got praying for some of you last week. Pastor Andrew um, Jagasar, he said, and he really caught this in his spirit, and he's never been to Ireland before, but as he was here, he was praying a lot for Ireland, and he said, the revival of Europe is locked in the womb of Ireland. And we've heard prophetic like that before. The revival of Europe is locked in the womb of Ireland. Of Ireland, so God has committed great things to this house. And who is this house? You and me. Amen. And we are a house of discipleship. So I trust you've been able to get something of what Holy Spirit has wanted to convey today, and we'll continue with this next week. Amen. But I, what I'd love you to do—can we do your homework? What I'd love you to do is start praying, God, I want a disciple. I want to lead someone to the Lord. Or I want to be present when someone's led to the Lord. And I want someone that I can disciple. Who, whose heart's desire is that this morning? Keep your hands up. If that's your heart's desire, let's close your eyes. I'm going to pray for you this morning. If that's your heart's desire. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank you. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you for this word today. We thank you that the kingdom is within us. And you, Jesus, you want to rule through us. I thank you that you're what your kingdom extended. And your kingdom will be extended as souls are brought into the kingdom and as they're discipled. And Holy Spirit, as you see each of these hands raised, I ask, Lord, their heart's desire is give me a disciple. Lord, I ask you see every hand here. You see their commitment. Give me my own disciple. And Lord, I pray right now for them, Lord, that they get so encouraged in prayer about this. Lord God, that very quickly they're going to have their disciple. And Father, I thank you. I prophesy this, as you have your disciple, you're going to grow more. You're actually going to grow more as you have a disciple. Because you're going to be taking in more of the word, you're going to be listening to the Lord more, and you're going to be giving out to them, and it's actually going to cause spiritual growth and character to be formed in you. So God, I thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, for each one here. We're excited and that each one will help each other. We'll help one another, God, as we have our disciples. We'll serve one another. We'll assist each other's disciples, Lord, in your name. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Listen, get to prayer on Tuesday night. We'll pray a wee bit more into this discipleship. We'll pray for those that i uh, have really desiring for, for disciples. Keep prayer strong. We're, that was a direct word by Holy Spirit last week. My house will be called a house of prayer. Let's keep prayer meetings strong. Amen. 7.15 for 7.30. Thank you for joining us. We look to God that he will direct your steps and blessings through this week. For more information, visit us at bangercommunitychurch.co.uk find us on Facebook.